This podcast is intended to provide general information about various recent developments in employment law and human resources best practices. Nothing in this presentation or in the comments of Ms. Johnson, Ms. Shannon, or any guest should be considered as the rendering of legal or other professional advice, and it is not directed at any specific cases or circumstances. Listeners are responsible for obtaining the necessary advice about their specific situations from their own counsel. These materials are intended for educational and informational purposes only. The presentation and these materials represent the opinions of the participants and not those of their law firms or companies. No part of these materials may be printed, photocopied, or otherwise reproduced, recorded, or stored, or transmitted in any form and by any means, electronic, mechanical, or otherwise, without the prior written permission of today's Workplace Podcast. Welcome to Today's Workplace, a podcast created to keep employers current on the latest employment law trends while providing proactive solutions to the everyday issues arising in today's rapidly changing workplace. Is your business prepared for today's workplace? Let's find out with your hosts, Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reed Shannon. Hey there, I am Vinny Potestivo, but don't change the podcast just yet because Barbara and Belinda are here with me, I promise. We are here to talk about what an amazing season we've had. Uh, I'm the producer, or one of the producers, of today's workplace, and I'm excited to be here. And I'd love to introduce uh, Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reed Shannon. Hello. Hi, Vinny. How are you? Doing well today. Hi, Barbara. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to get to recap what a crazy year this has been. What a crazy year this has been. (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, you know, when Barbara and I first started talking about doing uh, this podcast, we had an idea of, you know, the various HR and employment law topics that we would discuss. Uh, And along the way, life happened. And we know Mm -hmm. this country faced two different pandemics last year. Uh, one um, coronavirus, the other social justice. And so that really shaped and formed and, and really challenged us to to respond to the issues of the day. So crazy is an understatement. What, what do you think, Barbara? I, I think it's just been amazing because who knew in January 2020 what 2020 would be all about? I mean, there was just no way to envision the issues that were going to arise. And what I'm so um, grateful for is the resiliency of the people in this country, the resiliency of today's workplace and the fact that, you know, we're, we're still here talking about today's workplace and people are still working and even though there are tremendous challenges, looking at everything that we've been through um, is pretty amazing. No, one of my favorite, one of the, the, the favorite byproducts of what I get to do for a living is giving people like you, masters like you, tools to be able to communicate better in media, uh, mass media, or even private media. So 
to know that we had a podcast in place and the ability to capture conversations and, and the right to reach out to people to start conversations um, is just such an awesome, I just like, I want to, I really want to applaud you. And I, I stand up and I like the instinct to want to record this year. I just, I feel something called, you know, I feel something called and you guys heard it. So, so tell me, who, speaking of callers, who, who is the audience? for our podcast? Who, who listens to us? So we, we imagined our audience to be um, HR executives, HR practitioners, as well as employment lawyers, those involved in helping um, employers really shape and form the policies and practices that uh, really are <clears throat> not only supportive of their most important resource, their their individual employees, but also uh, supportive of the organization. Um, did I miss? Did I miss anybody? You know, I I think that initially that was the target audience, but as the concept of the podcast has evolved, I think the audience is even greater than that. I think the audience is anyone who is interested in understanding what's happening in today's workplace, Um, whether it's the HR practitioner, the general counsel, the employee, the plaintiff's attorney. I mean, it's it's anyone who wants a better understanding of how today's workplace is evolving. Yeah. Anyone who who imagines or could could only think of what these conversations happen in closed rooms with decision makers and policy Mm -hmm. changers. Um, And you're right. It's the C-suites and it's the HR executives and the lawyers. I, I, um, as a former employee of a a very Mm -hmm. large media company, um, have loved sitting in my chair, eavesdropping in on conversations, really difficult conversations around HR. And it's just uh, resilient is one of the words that comes to mind. Um, We bounced back, small businesses bounced back, big businesses bounced back, medium businesses took the lead. (laughs) It was a great great year. Um, And uh, of all the things that we expected or didn't expect, uh, I'm I'm sort of the the third wheel here on today's uh, podcast episode. Uh, You two have known each other far longer than I have known either of you. Um, How did you guys meet? And also, like, what? How has this been? How your co-hosts now? How cool? (laughs) Yeah, we've been um, we've been partners in crime for a long time. Um, I, you know, I, I just remember meeting Barbara, um, through one or more of the various, um, professional organizations, uh, that we belong to as employment lawyers and, or as, um, you know, black lawyers, um, Barbara at the time when we met, I was living in North Carolina, Barbara was living in Texas and practicing in Texas. And I had just um, moved to professionally to what was called an in-house position. And so from time to time, we would need to hire counsel, you know, to work on on some matters. And I remember getting uh, immediately bogged down in a bunch of, you know, employee relations matters and had issues going on in Texas. And um, I remember calling Barbara and, and we began our working relationship. Um, we became our working relationship very early in my tenure as in-house counsel. Uh, it, it, am I 
I don't know if I'm accurate, Barbara. No, I think you're absolutely accurate. I was um, a partner with a minority-owned litigation boutique in Houston, um, relatively new partner. And um, Belinda was one of those first people who reached out and had work. So it was um, for which I was very, very grateful. So we have a long track record going back um, over 20 years and a a network of a lot of the same um, colleagues that um, we've gotten to know over the years. Yeah. And just for the record, that sense of gratefulness was a two-way street. You know, in Barbara, I found an excellent um, and effective uh, lawyer and she became my go-to for Texas. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, I got to meet some of your colleagues while we were recording this podcast, uh, right? I believe Dr. H. Wesley Clark is a mutual friend of both of yours. Is that how we got to meet our first guest of this of the entire series? Well, actually, I've known Dr. Clark for probably close to 20 years, around the same time that I um, met Belinda and um, just found him to be an amazing individual in that he is an attorney. He is a medical doctor, um, a psychiatrist, and he has a master's in public health, just a little bit of an underachiever, you know. But on top of that, he's just a really great person and so generous with his time and always um willing to share information. So I first got to know him through his work in the addiction medicine field. Um, He worked at a VA hospital and um, headed up part of their um, addiction medicine practice out in in the San Francisco area. Um, And he and I were on the faculty of something called the American Society of Addiction Medicine. And so I got to know him that way, but also knew about the fact that he's an expert in public health and, in fact, teaches um, in that area currently. So in thinking about people who would have expertise with respect to coronavirus and what employers should be doing and what was happening, I knew he'd be a good choice. Yeah. yeah. And I, I uh, Barbara and I, this is, again, is the a point of where uh, we decided um, let's let's roll with with some of the issues that are current for employers. And of course, right at the time that we had started talking with uh, Dr. Clark, uh, things were really picking up and businesses were making decisions to shut down. Localities were shutting down. And so I thought that he provided a great voice. He's of the scientific community and he could really sort out for us and tell us the real, you know, the real story of, of, of what's going on so that we wouldn't have to rely on um, the political rhetoric or rely on just a, a whole bunch of various and different pieces. So I found him to be incredibly knowledgeable, resourceful, and quite frankly, um, easy to talk to, 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 to discuss this difficult information. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes when people um, have so many expertise, they tend to be whittled down to, you know, a jack of all trades and a master of none. But I have to say, Dr. Clark was so amazing to hear over those three episodes. And even knowing his accomplishments and his titles, um, uh, the institutions he's worked for, it it completely makes sense um, that he had so much perspective and was so generous with his time. 
the the first two episodes um, we had him on focused more on the experiences we were all dealing with, kind of like as the first wave of of the of COVID was hitting, as it really first approached and impacted businesses. What what was the most shocking thing we discovered at, as the actual pandemic first hit uh, America here? I guess for me, the most shocking thing was that realization that I think set in for a lot of people of this is not going to be over quick. I mean, I re- I think back to how naive we were in the March time frame. Oh, yeah, we'll be back to work by June. Everything will be, you know, no problem. Everything, you know, by summer, you know, we're good. We're good. And I think um, from talking with Dr. Clark, the realization that this is a longer term issue um, that will go well into 2021, if not beyond. Absolutely. Um, I, I just really think that the most shocking thing to me was, again, how much we underestimated uh, the impact. I remember specifically thinking uh, once things shut down in March, I was thinking it was just a matter of weeks before we would bounce mm-hmm. back. I just knew life would go on as scheduled from Memorial Day on. And so um, as we talked with him more, because we had a chance to talk with him several times, it became clear that there, um, this thing was new and between the the novel uh, nature of this, this, you know, and scientific community trying to keep up and get in front of it and understanding how very fast it was spreading among the population. That's what really, um, you know, became an aha moment. It's like, oh, this is really extremely serious and something we haven't seen before. And I think he brought that information to to to, to light uh, in our conversation in a, in a very easy to understand way. Yeah, and, and certainly hearing um, uh, from him, you know, we got to record throughout the year. I know listeners are just not getting to, you know, experience what, what we've got to record as it was happening, because who knew how, which, if it was turning left, it was turning right, if it was speeding up, if it was slowing down. Um, uh, the third time we spoke to him, you know, the, the, obviously the first wave had already approached. I think we were already, I think the second wave or whatever However, I don't know, you know, first wave, second wave, so many waves, by the way. But another big wave was coming pre-holiday. Um, what what would you say from that conversation? What 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 was surprising to learn about what what businesses maybe um, did in response to COVID? Like in, in, from from the time between that first wave hit and the, and when we spoke to Dr. Clark, you know, towards the end of the year, what what were some of the lessons learned or um, things um, that uh, that were obstacles that you know small businesses, medium all size businesses had to deal with? Yeah, I think that um, they businesses quickly learned uh, that the impact of this was more than just the the physical threat of the uh, virus that they had to be concerned about. Um, that they also had to then uh, pivot and start thinking about uh, what they needed to do first and foremost to keep their employees safe, but then also to deal with uh, the mental aspects of, of of keeping them, you know, engaged. Uh, now that that everyone was disconnected from um, 
you know, a situation and an organization that had become a very central part of life that people were now, you know, sent back home. And so facing that, I think, um, was something that there was not only a physical impact, but there was also a mental impact. Yeah. I also I also think just um, I think we were all surprised with how infectious I think this this disease this you know COVID ended up being or actually still is and continues to be um, and yeah. infectious and you know just was, we were all very surprised by, um, by that. right and one of the things one of the things he did do very well is explain to us you know, where this this particular virus fell on the spectrum as it relates to some of the other um, pandemics that we right. were aware of, like SARS and, and Ebola virus, and even explaining to us the difference between this and the flu. That was very helpful also. Well, speaking of infectious in the best way possible, we also got two episodes with Courtney Malvo from OSHA which I absolutely enjoyed from beginning to end. Even the things that didn't make the podcast were all of my favorites. Yeah. You know, Courtney is um, so passionate about what he does, and it does definitely come across. Um, people who um, practice in this area it tends to be a very niche practice, and it's one where OSHA has certainly kind of come from behind um, to be at the forefront of what we're dealing with. And it was just wonderful to have someone who's so knowledgeable, like Courtney, um, be able to explain to us um, what's happening, the general duty clause, um, what employers need to understand um, going forward. That was very useful. Now, for people who don't know OSHA or Courtney, who, who is he and what does his agency do? Um, well, Oh, go ahead, Barbara. I was just going to say, Courtney um, is in private practice with Jackson Lewis. He works out of the Richmond, Virginia office, and his specialty is um, with the Occupational Safety and Health Administration and how to assist employers in complying with those regulations. Um, OSHA's mandate is that employers are required to keep employees safe. And um, COVID is viewed as a threat, a hazard in the workplace. Yeah, and that's, that's why OSHA is absolutely critical to how businesses respond. So, so, so OSHA, correct me if I'm wrong, OSHA might have some influence on that um, piece of paper we have to put in mark, like the public area of our workplace that says like how to be safe or is that possibly yeah. what OSHA might have influence over? That's, that's part of what they do. Very one of the very small things that they do. I mean, I think they do a lot, and clearly, uh, depending on um, you know the physicality and, and the the dangerous nature of of certain industries, OSHA, um, you know, it has to be more um, involved. Um, and, but I think the one thing about um, coronavirus and, and COVID nineteen um, has introduced is the need for. Um, a whole lot of more industries and more workplaces to be more actively engaged in um, make uh, in workplace safety. I mean, there's a baseline uh, general um, standard of, of workplace safety that all employers follow. Uh, but but to you know, have, I think they've had to increase and double down 
uh, on their their measures uh, because of this coronavirus and the fast uh, spreading nature of it. And so um, having Courtney on to really kind of help us understand how the agency works. It's a it's a federal agency, but a federal agency that also, which was news to me, also works along with the state OSHA agencies. And in some cases, uh, the state is the um, you know, defining authority if they mm-hmm. might have an articulation agreement with the federal agency. So the federal agency doesn't oversee uh, that particular state. Um, and I thought that was pretty interesting. And one of the things that Courtney was really excited about is the fact that um, President-elect um, Biden has actually campaigned on the idea of strengthening OSHA and increasing the enforcement capacity of OSHA. And so we expect this is an agency that mm-hmm. will become even more important into the future. Yeah. And it seems like that's pretty timely, given what's going to be needed to to keep uh, coronavirus under control um, in the workplace once, once employers start returning uh, non-essential employees to the workplace. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you loud. It's it's so it's it's not necessarily you know what they have to what businesses have to be doing. It's really what they could be doing, in addition to what they have to be doing. Um, what were some of those successful steps that OSHA took? What were some of those changes or um, policy changes or influences that they had in businesses that were successful in response to COVID? Well, I think one of the things is that OSHA. Um had to step in because of some serious concerns in certain industries, like the meatpacking industry, rightly or wrongly. And so it's had to, it's been under a lot of pressure to um, really address issues around essential workers um, who are continuing to be in the workplace during the pandemic. Awesome. Um, uh, Well, I said awesome because I'm already looking at our next episode, which was with Chrissy who I also, I just really, I really have to say, I really appreciated working with you too on this. I, I learned so much about how things work and how things don't work, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, how, did, how did we come to meet Chrissy? So again, Chrissy was one of the, you know, one of the, the lawyers in our network uh, that we would meet uh, through our employment lawyer or other mentoring organizations. And actually Chrissy and I, connected uh, very early in her career as a lawyer. So she, she has, she come came along, um, you know, several years after, you know, Barbara and I. Uh, so she's kind of like next, next generation. Um, but, it, you know, has, has had an amazingly, you know, successful uh, career. She's a really delightful uh, individual. And um, at this point, I met her when she was at a law firm, but at this point now, um, she's a senior vice president at Sony Music. Um, so uh, hearing from Christy, uh, the, you know, the, the, the corporate um, strategies that were used to respond to COVID-19 are very interesting because of her senior level role. You know, she was charged with working with uh, the CEO and other Mm -hmm. senior managers to uh, make decisions and set things in place. So I thought it was really interesting uh, to have her and have that discussion. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting. um, The um, advice that she gave as far as just being flexible and the importance for employers to be flexible during these difficult times 
and recognize the stress and strain that um, employees are under. Um, and that that's incredibly important. Yeah, we um, called her podcast Improving Employee Relations During the Pandemic. Chris um, what were what were some of the upsides to what we just went through, courtesy of people like Chrissy and again, policy makers and decision makers? Any? <laughs> I, think, I think that um, that we finally there was finally a breakthrough in one of the biggest myths for a lot of employers that uh, productivity uh, is increased by, you know, FaceTime is the most important element to productivity, you know, actual presence at the office. And I think that uh, one of the breakthroughs is that, you know, uh, as, you know, Chrissy talked about the, um, you know, they found out how to ensure that employer employees still feel connected and productive even if they're away from the office. But uh, just to listen to the sheer um, things that they had to do, the sheer number of things that they had to do to uh, give everyone the, the ability to work from home um, in a very short period of time and to make policies about the office and who could come in and when, you know, and under mm-hmm. what circumstances. Um, all of that was very interesting in terms of wrapping your mind around what employers had to do in order to keep their company moving in and in order to keep their employees working. Yeah, we I think we we heard from you know people who I, mean, I guess OSHA represents a very broad reach of business types, um, and obviously you know Sony is a, a familiar name. We know that the pandemic had an impact on a tremendous amount of types of workers, but specifically on essential workers. And uh, we were lucky to have Donna Hughes and Ashley Ridgeway Washington join us um, to talk about that. And how, how did they come to be? How did they join our first season? of today's workplace? Once again, um, both of them are individuals that we've known for a number of years and thought they would be ideal guests in that they both are in, um, they're both in the healthcare space and dealing with essential workers who are on the front lines in terms of actually caring for individuals who have COVID-19, as well as trying to deal with how to keep their people working and safe. Um, They have a combination of both essential workers as well as those people who are non-essential and who are working remotely. And so a great choice as far as um, imparting information about their experiences. And for for people who aren't familiar with them, um, what what are the organizations they're affiliated with? Well, Ashley Ridgeway Washington is with um, Christus Health which is a um, not-for-profit with um, um, facilities throughout the Southwest. Um, And then um, Donna Hughes is with Emblem Health, which has offices, um, locations throughout the Northeast, primarily in the New York um, City, New York area, New York City area. Yeah, and I thought um, our conversation with them was very interesting because, of course, you know, healthcare is one of the major, you know, frontline worker type of uh, organizations, these hospitals and and whatnot. And so um, 
Donna and Ashley both, you know, had to immediately help their organizations pivot to, you know, a, a response and working situation where, um, like Barbara mentioned, there were both essential workers, large groups of essential workers, as well as 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 smaller groups of non-essential workers. Um, so how do you keep, um, you know, in addition to keeping their employees safe, they actually have responsibility for setting policy over facilities that actually had to keep customers and or, you know, patients safe also. Yeah, we actually had such a great conversation. Um, we have them back. Yes. I can, say that. can I say that? So, <laughs> you can. You can. Yeah. We wanted- they're coming back. They're, they're coming back. back. Um, and there's lots of things looking forward to, but one of the things, actually speaking of looking forward as we rebuild, even our, our, the workplace, a recruitment is uh, vital for, you know, the success of, of, of the workplace of today's workplace, the survival of today's workplace. That was actually the topic of the podcast that we had with Robert Spencer and Michelle Campbell. Do you want to tell us a little bit about some highlights from that podcast? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, how do you recruit people? during the time of pandemic. And even though there are lots of situations where businesses are closing and people are being laid off, there are lots of employers that have been really struggling just to find enough workers to keep things going. And so it was great to have um, Robert and Michelle talk about how employers are going about recruiting during the time of pandemic and some of the tips for both employers and for people who are seeking positions in terms of um, how they can go about um, identifying talent and being hired. Yeah, and I thought one of the biggest surprises for me was getting confirmation from them that, you know, businesses, uh, you know, acquiring talent and, and doing recruiting did not slow down. Um, like Barbara mentioned, you know, there were a lot of uh, small businesses and other businesses, service level businesses that may have had to shut down for um, a while. But uh, other industries, uh, they kept it moving, even if they had to move all of their workers off site, work from home. They still continued to um, carry on with building their workforce. And so they were able to give us a really good um, perspective of, of that and the adjustments that um, candidates had to make, as well as organizations um, in the, the now moving to a 100 percent virtual um you know, virtual environment to do this recruiting. And I mean, it totally changed things because typically candidates would be flown in if they were serious, they would be flown in to physically meet or they would be asked to come in to physically meet uh, the recruiters, meet uh, the people who were hiring them. And now we have none of that. Everything's done over Zoom. <laughs> yeah. It was also very interesting um just to understand the whole onboarding process now and and how employers are bringing people on board and then talking about diversity. How does one go about finding diverse talent um, during these these times? Um, And so I think those were some important aspects of what we talked about. Yeah, actually, I remember Michelle pointing out the the real need for more diverse talent, especially uh, engineers. And I just that was one of the things that really resonated with me because uh, as a creative, it's not maybe a topic or uh, a column that I would read in the newspaper. But just being aware 
of something like that helps, you know, the mm -hmm. conversation. And um, I also think the speed and how things, I mean, like, wow, you, you, you say onboarding, uh, recruitment to hire used to take two, one month, two months for the big company, for apples and the big, you know, the big public. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about weeks, if not days, and the amount of verification levels, I can't, you know, begin to imagine all the ways that this pandemic has, you know, had us turn to um, information technologies and data, mm -hmm. and then just gut instincts, and with a real intent to make today's workplace the best place it could be, for, to be even more um, solvent in the future, and to be able to be... Yeah, yeah and the importance of, um, of the intentionality of bringing people on board. In other words, how are you going to integrate them into your culture? How are you going to make them feel like they're part of something? Um, mm -hmm. and, and the importance of employers thinking through that whole integration process. Via a computer screen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Via well, well, a remote, remote working situation. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough for letting me hop on this podcast with you. And thank you for letting me reminisce about <laughs> the year we've had. It's been quite an interesting year of, of, of conversations for sure. Yeah. For can, sure. I say, can I say, Vinny, it's been so much fun um, and such a pleasure working with you and your team and Ed's team in helping us produce this podcast. Uh, it really, you know, took, Barbara and I up several notches in terms of our technical knowledge and uh, <laughs> knowledge of, of all the wonderful things that go on behind the scenes to make uh, a, a great podcast. So thank you uh, for all of your time and, and effort in making us look good. You're a great oh, partner. You and Ed are great you. partners. Thank you so <laughs> much. the best. He certainly is. Um, any closing words? Any closing words, thoughts of 2020? Anything you want to say goodbye <laughs> to? I know I know. our next episode, we get to look forward to 2021. Any Anything we want to, any closing words for the end of our, our season one here? Yeah, well, real quick, I, I just hope that, um, that the information and the conversations um, are going to be helpful, useful, and um, delightful to listen to for our listening audience. Sometimes, you know, we have these big issues that we're dealing with on a daily basis in the workplace. And sometimes it's just great to talk about it. And that's what we have tried to do. Yeah. I love it. Well, we have lots more to come. And if you aren't already, please hit that subscribe button and follow us on our journey. I wouldn't tell you something I haven't told my mom. And yes, my mom is a follower of this podcast because I have learned <laughs> so much from it. And if you are one of those people who likes the web, you can find us on todaysworkplacepodcast.com. Uh, but I really appreciate your time today and I look forward to our next podcast. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Today's Workplace with Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reed Shannon. If you like what you heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future updates and episodes. For more information about today's episode, check out todaysworkplace.com. That's T-O-D-A-Y-S-W-O-R-K-P-L-A-C-E dot com.